another week of the Bandroom Podcast Live, which is our, our new kind of almost weekly series of shorter chats with um, some of my friends, my colleagues, and ultimately people I just greatly admire. And um, before I tell you about the person that you see next to me, wherever he is for you on what side, uh, I just need to tell you a couple things about next week. Next week, there will be no Bandroom Live because we'll just be back to our regular podcast episode, which will be the wonderful, the returning Dr. Jillian McKay um, from the University of Toronto. Um, so you won't want to miss that, and that'll be coming out on Monday. Um, but uh, like I was saying, people I greatly admire, and, and this, this is one of them. Um, often whenever I go to school clinics or if I'm working with a band um, and talking to my students even, uh, I always remind them that you never know who you're going to work with in your life that, you know, maybe you met, you went to with this in school or anything like that, or you met them at a concert. So this, this is one of those cases because Nick Godso and I actually did our undergrad together at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. But um, Nick now uh, is a manager of programming and education at uh, Music Counts, which is uh, Canada's music education charity. And uh, he'll talk more about that in a second. Welcome to the band room. Thanks. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. So how are things? You are, you are actually not in Toronto. You're, you're in the homeland, aren't you? Oh, I've escaped the homeland, yes. <laughs> I, I, I made my great escape a couple of months ago. So I'm now in the, um, the COVID-free utopia or oh, the maritime bubble. Um, so that's been nice, working remotely, visiting friends and fam. Yeah. Great. Lovely. <laughs> and although I know you uh, quite well, um, I think a lot of our audience might not. I know some of them do for sure. But so could you just mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so like Dylan said, um, I now work with Music Counts and I can talk a little bit about that later, a bit more. Um, but I am a tuba player, like Dylan said, we went to Mount A together, uh, played in various bands and ensembles, which was a lot of fun. And then I went on to the University of Toronto, did my master's degree in musicology, started my PhD, decided the academic path was not the path for me. Um, and then I ended up working with um, Music Counts, and I've been here for about two and a half years now. So um, Music Counts is uh, Canada's music education charity associated with the Juno Awards. It's been around for about 20 years. Um, and it's our mission to ensure that all kids in Canada, regardless of their background, regardless of their circumstances, have access um, to the benefits of music education. So uh, I believe the numbers now, we've, we've allocated more than $13 million um, oh, wow. in support of music education in over 20 years. Beautiful. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a vast and varied career already. And I yes. think that's one of the one of the cool things um, about you being in this position is you've, you've already done so many kind of different things and performance and research and, and you, you come at it with a, a new set of eyes, which is very, very nice. Um, you, you told us what Music Counts is. And I, I'm wondering, how did you start to kind of get involved uh, with Music Counts? And why? Well, you know, I, <laughs> I had, yeah, I applied for the job. I, I decided, like I said, that I, that I wasn't going to continue with my PhD. Um, and I was kind of looking around for things to do. Um, and I saw this and I, you know, after being in, in academia for a few years, the, the prospect of working um, with a charity that does such, such rewarding work uh, seemed very appetizing then. And I'm still super energized about it now. You know, it's really really amazing work. I feel so, so lucky that I'm able to have, um, have a job like this where I can put my passion into action. 
um, for music education. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And um, you, we are, you already kind of mentioned that all of the, the resources and, and funding that, that Music Counts uh, gives to music educators and music programs and community, music, uh, community programs as well. Um, but so we'll, I'm wondering if, if we, can, we can talk about some of those, those great programs and, uh, and try, we'll, we'll try, both of us already talked about this, we'll try not to make this a grocery list of all of the resources that Music Counts has because it is quite vast. Um, so since this is the band room, um, would you mind telling us about the, the band aid program? Yeah, so that's that's our flagship program. For those for those of you who aren't familiar with the Band Aid program, any school in Canada um, can apply to receive up to fifteen thousand dollars worth of musical instruments, equipment, resources, whatever your school needs to support music education, to make music education more viable for your students, to make it happen in these trying times. You can get whatever you need through the Band Aid program. So applications are currently open. Um, they're open until December 11th. So if you're a music teacher in Canada or if you know some music teachers in Canada, spread the word um, because we allocate, depending on the year, between $700,000 and a million dollars um, each year through the Band-Aid program. Um, so definitely it's worth applying because you never know. Um, our, the support rate for the program varies, you know, some years it's about one in five, some years it's about one in seven, um, but it's always worth putting in an application because you never know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you do never know. And especially if you, if like Nick mentioned, it's still open. So if you thought for some reason it was closed, it has been extended. So you, you can still apply and, and, and Nick, it doesn't, just have to be like a band program, although it's called Band-Aid. So if your school has doesn't have a music program, you can also apply for this funding as well? That's just it. So even though band is in the name, it's really band, band and beyond. Uh, you can get whatever you need. Um, so whether if you want to implement a recording studio at your school, great. If you work with Indigenous youth and you want those kind of traditional instruments, fantastic. Um, so any kind of musical instruments, uh, there's no limit to that. And even if your school doesn't have a music program already, um, you're still very much encouraged to submit an application. Uh, you know, I think last year it was 40% of the applications we received were from schools that did not have a music program. Okay. So that's 40% of almost 550, uh, applications we received last year right. um and a lot of those applications you received instruments that they would then go on to use to build a brand new music program at their school um so that's absolutely an option as well yeah so if you are watching now or you're listening after and you don't have a music program don't feel like this hinders you um please please reach out to nick and music counts and you can also still apply for that um i guess one thing that I, I wanted to talk about is in this, this new world of, of music education, uh, so many schools are either maybe their music programs on hold or maybe it's completely online. I'm really lucky that I get to do face-to-face -face at the college, um, but, but that's not everyone's reality. And I know that music teachers are always looking for something else to kind of fill out those uh, learning outcomes and, and, and music counts has recently partnered with, uh, with CBC, uh, to do the CBC music playlist challenge. And I was wondering if, if you could tell us about that, cause I think it's uh, something that's a great thing that a lot of schools can benefit from. Right. So CBC, um, for the past, I think like five or six years now have done the CBC Canadian music class challenge where basically they get the rights to, um, a dozen or so, 
um, well-known Canadian songs. Schools across Canada are invited to do cool covers of those songs, fun arrangements based on whatever setup um, they have in their music program. They do a cool video, they submit it, and then there's a bunch of prizes, a lot of fun. So CBC Music Council both recognized that um, not all schools, depending on where you are in the country, uh, making music together in a room may not be possible. So we wanted to make sure that kids could still engage in a national celebration of Canadian music, regardless of the restrictions that your individual school, district, province, etc., cetera, um, might be faced with. So what we've done with the Playlist Challenge is we teamed up with a team of teachers all across Canada to develop a teacher guide that takes you through the steps of building your, your classes playlist of Canadian music. So it talks all about, you know, how to build music around a particular theme. It talks about, um, you know, issues of Canadian identity in music and all of that. So um, it's a really fun lesson plan. It's totally interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So if you're a social studies teacher or an English teacher, you know, this works really well in those, in those kind of courses as well. Um, and the fun outcome of that is once you've created your class's playlist centered around a particular theme. Um, you can do a little side project with that. So all the information is on the website, but you make a little video with your class that introduces the playlist. You create a piece of artwork or you create a photo and then you can upload that to a portal by a CBC Music and then that will house this national collection of all these different schools playlists from coast to coast to coast. Wow. Um, so it's kind of a fun yeah. um, collective thing to be a part of in these times when it's so easy to be, you know, in our individual silos. Um, and if you submit your playlist and your project to the CBC portal, I begin that start, I believe that starts on the 9th of November, um, you'll be entered for a chance to receive one of 10 $1,000 music accounts grants for your school. Great. So it's fun and you could win money. Hey. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really, it's a, a, a great idea. Because I know many of, uh, I've, I've been talking to lots of music educators before and we've kind of, especially when we're talking about ensembling um, and trying to, to make this work in an online setting, we're always talking about learning outcomes and, and this playlist challenge actually serves quite a lot of those learning outcomes, um, which is great. And, and it's it's getting out of, of, as much as this is the Bandroom podcast and I'm a, the biggest band geek ever, um, it gets us away from, you know, thinking in this kind of Western classical music context and, and thinking about our country and, and all of the, the influences that we have that go beyond band um, mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's a, a great initiative and I hope some people jump on board that yeah. maybe listen to this. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention at the beginning is um, if you have any questions um, for Nick about uh, how Music Counts can help your program, or maybe you have just a general concern about um, something about the funding thing and you don't think you can apply or whatever it is, feel free to throw that in the comment section and we'll try our best uh, to answer that at the end. And I'll also try my best just to read it because sometimes my, um, the screen I'm reading the questions off does not update. Um, so I'm just going to really make sure that, that we can do that. Um, onward and upward. Uh, the other kind of great thing that I've been seeing, especially since the pandemic has started is, um, the, the community building that you're doing. And if, if there's ever been a need um, for a community, especially as music educators, it's, it's now. Um, and you've been doing these amazing town halls where you're getting together a panel of, of music educators literally across the country. Um, and I know there's a couple posted on the website, but I was wondering if you could um, talk about uh, a little bit about that 
um, and and kind of how how uh, people can listen and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, so so like like Dylan said, um, our newest program is called Music Counts Learn, um, which is basically just a big umbrella under which we're hoping to offer resources like the playlist challenge and facilitate conversations that are meaningful um, for music educators right now. Because like I was saying, I know it's so easy for us to just, when we're so stressed with, with just the daily upkeep of making stuff happen in COVID, it's, it's easy to, to be isolated. So um, we, when the pandemic started on the onset of COVID-19 in March, you know, we knew that we needed to do something different. We knew that it was, as much as it was going to be a challenge, it was an opportunity for us to start offering a different kind of program other than our granting programs like we had um, historically. So we immediately convened, um, you know, dozens of teachers from across the country. It was kind of a, a very kind of wild and interesting and fun couple of weeks for me because I was just on the phone with teachers like all day, every day, just like kind of talking about what they were going through, yeah. what they felt like they might need in that particular moment to see how we might try and fill that gap. Um, so one of the really um, exciting ways that we were able to do that was through facilitating these town hall conversations. Uh, so, you know, we had one back in May, just mm -hmm. kind of, which feels like decades <laughs> yeah. ago. Three years ago. Three years. Yeah, uh, back in May when all of this was relatively fresh um, to to kind of just get a sense of what we think, what we thought the Im lasting impact of COVID-19 might be on music education, what these teachers were going through. Um, and it was so wonderful to, to have this live event and have so many teachers from all corners of Canada watching and engaging in the comments and asking questions. Like that really showed us that, hey, like this is something that's really special and really powerful. So we're definitely going to keep doing it. So then in the yeah. fall, um, we had a couple more, one about um, how to improvise as a music educator in COVID-19, which, you know, basically was, uh, you know, how to make the most of a very unpredictable situation when we're so used to kind of having a set path. When that path is out the window, how do you maintain a meaningful experience uh, for your students? Um, so that was a really great conversation with some really wonderful teachers. Um, and then most recently we had a town hall um, about the topic of decolonizing music education in Canada, talking about, you know, our, our biases and how we approach music education and how that might not meet the needs of our students. And, and you know, how COVID in an in interesting way is making us rethink so much. It's really an interesting and good opportunity for us to rethink how music is taught, what music we teach, how we teach music, who we talk to when we're thinking about how to go about teaching music. Um, so, so that was a really great conversation with a lot of really wonderful ideas as well. Mm -hmm. So it's our, it's our goal to not just have conversations that are fun for us. It's our yeah. goal to have conversations that are meaningful to teachers across the country. And we're always looking for feedback and suggestions on what topics um, are, most, are most important for you to yeah. engage with right now. So if you have any suggestions, anyone who's watching for future town halls or future initiatives that you'd like to see happen under Music Counselor, that's why we're here. We're here to help and we're here to do things that are meaningful for you. So feel free to, um, to reach out because I'm happy to listen. I'm waiting for a thousand comments to fly in here, folks. Hey everybody, Dylan Maddox here to talk to you about something that is crucially important in today's world, merchandise. 
of all the things happening now in the world, nothing is more important than some sweet merch. So be the coolest kid or teacher at school with your very own Bandroom Podcast clothing. Show that you are a true bandy, loud and proud, with a BRP t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, or maybe a pullover hoodie, or as our friends in Saskatchewan call them, bunny hugs. Maybe that's not enough. Maybe you want to start your day off with the Bandroom Podcast, drinking from your BRP coffee mug. Mmm makes that coffee and tea taste even better. You can rest easy knowing that all funds go directly back to helping support the podcast with hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Check out all the merch at bandroompod.com store. Don't miss your chance to support BRP by purchasing some cool merch. But uh, awesome. but no, it it is a really wonderful thing, and I, I I haven't listened to all of them, but I can especially vouch for the improvisation one, which I listened to a couple of days ago, and it's a really wonderful conversation. And like Nick said, these people are master educators, um, and it's 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 so interesting to hear the different aspects from a, across our country, um, and it's also great to hear you talk about um, having conversations that we often try to you know sweep under the rug. Because I, I know we had this discussion at the U of T um, conducting symposium this summer, and it was probably one of the most beneficial conversations we had during the whole the whole um, symposium. Um, so yeah, so go check those things out. I'm going to post all of the links uh, in the episode description so you can easily find them. Um, but we won't shy away from talking about um, the community yet because you have a very unique perspective uh, of music education in Canada. I I often and I think others. Uh, from my own experience, I'm, I'm really only, I only know of the schools that, you know, invite me to work with their students or the honor band schools that I'm working with or, or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, they have big band programs that are well supported often and, and all those things, but you're talking to schools all across the country. So I was wondering um, if you could just talk, tell us a bit about uh, what you've been hearing from, from music educators across Canada. An easy question. <laughs> yeah, just just a small one. Well, um, okay, well, I guess I'll address it in two parts. Um, some of the most interesting information that we get um, about music education in Canada is through the data that is submitted in the applications. So that paints a very interesting picture. And I'm really curious to see what that will look like when our application, when our current application cycle closes, because all of that data that I'm referring to right now is, of course, pre-COVID. Um, so some of the most interesting insights from that are, um, you know, so for example, last year there were close to 550 schools that applied for support. We were only able to help about one in seven, but every single school that applied needed instruments. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we ever get applications and it's like, you're being a little bit too greedy right now, actually. You don't need, you don't need support for your music. Like every single application that we get is in pretty urgent need and makes a very compelling case for why they need equipment. So it's really challenging for us to make those decisions sometimes, particularly last year. Um, mm. as, and one, one, of, one statistic that really drives it home is of those 550 applications, almost half of them 
indicated receiving $500 or less every year for the purchase and repair of musical instruments for their music program. Wow. And that includes accessories and, mm. and maintenance and stuff like that as well. So that paints a picture of what some schools are able to do. You know, mm. it's jarring to read the number of applications we receive for these music programs that have been trying to make inventories of instruments that they've had since the 70s yeah. work for literal decades. Um, and, you know, there, you know, there are stories in these applications of teachers that say, you know, I spend most of my time taking apart instruments and building one new clarinet Frankenstein out of three old ones. If right. I had new clarinets, then I would actually be able to spend those multiple hours a day teaching yep. instead of, instead of repairing. And it would inspire confidence in my students because they would be playing instruments that would work and they wouldn't be doubting themselves yeah. because we're just left working with this equipment that does not necessarily inspire confidence mm -hmm. in young musicians. Um, the other major issue that we see is that, you know, schools don't have instruments that make sense for their student body. You know, we get a lot of applications from schools that, that, that have students that have um, exceptionalities and they have instruments that are not tailored for that population, right. which obviously really inhibits their experience and, and that teacher's ability to have a really high impact, meaningful music education experience for their students. And, and then of course, like I said, 30, 40% of our applicants don't have music programs at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's really easy to, yeah, it's, it's when I, you know, cause I went to a high school with a great band program and I was in post-secondary music education for seven years, you know, you know that music is underfunded in that kind of context, but yeah. then on this end of the coin, it really paints a dire picture of how chronically underfunded um, music education is. Um, so it's, it's jarring. And all that was pre-COVID. Those were our problems pre-COVID. Yeah. So now, so now when we're, when we're, when we're going to take into consideration the implications of the pandemic, it's going to be really interesting to see um, what those long-term changes are for music education, are there going to be broader shifts towards like digital music making away from potentially, I don't know, away from band programs that are, that are really costly to upkeep that require, um, you know, a lot of specialization on the on part of the instructor that a lot of remote schools simply don't have access to. So mm -hmm. it, it will be interesting in a few years to see, you know, how the applications that we receive change in terms of what kinds of programs are receiving support. Yeah. Um, so anyway, no, no, it, it's, it's a really good thing for, I think a lot of people to hear that, um, you know, we're not so, I don't want to say high on our throne, but, um, as well off as we, as we think as other programs are. Um, so, and it, it really brings us nicely into kind of, uh, another question and you mentioned it a couple of times already, but, um, music, music counts can, you know, it can help lots of schools, but ultimately generally one in seven and, and there's kind of a real opportunity for people to help. So if, if someone did want to get involved with music counts, either as a volunteer or advocate for music counts or, or help donate or just donate, don't help donate, donate folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how could they do that? Well, I mean, there are a few ways. Um, the biggest, I mean, the biggest part of it is just, is just being an advocate. Again, it's so easy um, to be to be insular, especially in these times. But 
um, what's been really special during the pandemic, like through the town halls, like I was talking about, is how hundreds and hundreds of teachers and, and enthusiasts for music education come together for a common cause. Um, so we're really trying to, to facilitate that activism and that community because right now music education is still very much happening. It's really challenging. Um, I know that teachers are, you know, stressed to the max. I know it's not ideal, but the amount of creativity and innovation that has come through in these times that we've been seeing from a lot of our recipient schools um, is, is really inspiring. Um, but in other way, anyway, in terms of how to get involved, um, we, we have fundraising campaigns throughout the year. Um, so if you believe in what we do, um, you can consider donating, you can consider sharing our message um, with those that might be in a position to donate. Um, there are a lot of ways to volunteer as well. Um, you know, when we get 550 applications a year, um, some years, all of those need to be adjudicated. So if, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're interested in helping us with that process, we're always looking for, for new folks who, who have experience with, with music education to help us in that review process. It's a lot of fun, um, kind of depressing sometimes, but ultimately very inspiring. Um, so, so that's one way that you can get involved. Um, Right. Yes. Those would be lots of ways, and we'll mm -hmm. we'll make sure, as I've been saying this whole time, we'll make sure to post all of those things so so that you know how and where you can get involved. Um, mm -hmm. And there's just so many other great things. I I wish we could just talk <laughs> for two hours about all of the cool things that uh, Music Counts is doing. And one thing I I really just want to point out is that though we are talking a lot about um, the music educator side of this. Um, mainly because that's who listens to this podcast. Um, but there's also on the Music Counts website, um, there's so many resources for music teachers. There's so many resources for music students. Uh, even if you're a parent who's doing a lot of work uh, with your with your um, children at home, there's, there's stuff there for you too. So there's so much to check out. So please, please go do that. Um, at this time, um, I would like to see if we have any studio audience questions. Um, so far, it is just <laughs> G uh, conductor, composer, Giovanni Santos saying, yeah, Canada. Great. Yeah. Making, making the Americans <laughs> jealous. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> but, Especially today. Yeah. But we pre-planned <laughs> for this. Um, there was, uh, we asked, we asked um, members before members, not members, listeners before if they had any questions and we got some questions. So I'm now going to uh, quiz Nick here. So the first question we have is I have started uh, my my Band-Aid application and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Yes, because applications are very overwhelming. Do you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, anyone who's applied for Band-Aid, you know, I know we're kind of notorious for our long application. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the, the one, the one, two words of advice I'll give is, you know, when you're, when you're answering a question and it says you have 700 words, it's, that's not a suggested word amount. That's just to prevent people who would write a book if we let them, uh, to stop them from writing a book. So if don't feel like you need to fill it up, just say what you need to say and move on. You don't, like don't say if you feel like you're just having to say the same thing twice well just don't you know yeah. um just say what you need to say keep it concise um where where it makes sense to do so um the other parts of the application that can be um a bit time consuming 
are the instrument inventory. So we do, at, we do want to have an understanding of, of what stuff your school already has to help us understand, you know, what the impact of the new instruments you're requesting will be. Um, a lot of people take the, the instrument inventory section of the application very seriously. It's very admirable that people will go through and, you know, itemize their castanets and their maracas and, yeah. you know, it's lovely. Triangle it, beater. Keep it really high level. We just kind of want it like put misc percussion and give it an approximate number. You know, it doesn't need to be that detailed. Like if you're looking at serial numbers on clarinets, then you've gone too far. Um, <laughs> really just, just, um, just keep it broad. You don't need to, to go, to go too deep into that. Just give us a broad overview of what you have. Um, it doesn't need to be as much time as you think it might require. Um, so those are my, my two pieces of advice. And if you're, if you're feeling stuck on any particular question, um, you know, please email us, please call us because we're happy to, um, to answer any of that as well. Great. That is great advice. Even for, for any application, that is good advice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got a couple more. I am an English teacher, but the playlist challenge looks like, oh, sorry, I read, I, read, I read that totally wrong. I am an English teacher, but the playlist challenge looks really interesting. Can my class participate? We kind of talked about that, but maybe yeah, we it's, should. It's completely interdisciplinary. Um, and that's something that we're trying to do with all the resources that we put out through Music Counselor because we see that so many schools, even though on paper, all schools are supposed to have music education offered at their school, what's on paper does not translate to reality. So what we're trying to do is create these resources. So if your school doesn't have a music program, you can still engage in music in some way in English class and social studies class. Um, so absolutely the playlist challenge is totally interdisciplinary we i know a lot of english teachers and social studies teachers who are doing it right now and having a lot of fun uh so i hope you will too cool yes go do it and let's see what else we got here oh oh yes so one of the other aspects of um music counts is the teacher of the year award which is always very exciting to see who it's going to be but there's a question here uh can i nominate myself for the music counts teacher of the year award um, you cannot nominate yourself, but you can kindly ask someone else to nominate you. <laughs> so if you, if you feel like you should be the Music Counts Teacher of the Year, uh, that's wonderful. Um, so just ask your principal or another teacher. Oh, okay. um, the nomination process is, is pretty simple. They just have to gather a couple different letters from different people, fill out a little form online. It's not mm -hmm. a huge amount of work. Um, so yeah, simply ask someone to nominate you. There's no shame in that. Totally fine. Okay. So not like your third cousin or anything like that. I mean, no. I, I guess our eligibility parameters are not that precise. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. guess third cousins would technically be that. Okay. Good. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Uh, great. And then the only other one is one we've kind of uh, answered already, but uh, where was it? I just lost it. Oh, yes. The Band-Aid program. Um, yeah. I'm just hearing about the Band-Aid program and I'm deaf and I definitely want to apply, but is there still time? Yes. If you didn't yeah. hear the first of our conversation, there's still time for you to apply. Yeah. Um, we've, we've extended, usually our deadlines are in mid November. We, you know, we just know that people are just so busy right now. So we decided mm -hmm. to extend it to mid December, said December 11th. So there's still plenty of time um, to complete your application. Beautiful. Lots of time. And speaking of, of time, there doesn't seem to be any more questions. And um, I'm going to leave one more second. If you want to post a question our, to our listener, I don't know who's listening, uh, but uh, anyway, so I, 
Nick, I just want to thank you um, so much um, for all of, well, for first of all, being just coming on and talking to us. Um, I think this is a great help for many of our listeners. And I, I hope, I hope, hope, hope that they take advantage of, of all of the wonderful things that Music Counts does. And, and I would really just like to thank you for all that you do when it comes to advocating for music education um, and all of the kind of wonderful things that you're doing for us um, to make our lives just a little bit easier. It's, it does not go unnoticed and, uh, and it's greatly appreciated. So, so thank you for all of that. Oh, and, it's my pleasure. Um, and and it, I, I'll just say one more time, you know, if you have ideas for Music Counts Learn, initiatives, resources, town halls, let us know. Mm -hmm. Like, please feel free to give me a call. I'd love to hear what you think. Love to hear about what kind of conversations are important to be having right now. And uh, yeah, no, Dylan, it was a pleasure. Who would have thought? Like, who would have thought? Twelve years ago, when we friggin' met, but <laughs> here we'd be. So yeah. that's nice. There yeah. comes the maritime. The mar I heard the maritime come out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, no, it it is a it's a super cool thing just to see um, all the all the things you've done and and what you're doing now and. And I am so grateful to call you a friend and a colleague. Oh. Um, and once again, thanks so much for doing this. And thanks to all of you who could tune in and listen to the live stream. Um, just one more reminder that we will not be doing the Bandroom podcast live next week, but you will be able to hear a pre-recorded conversation with the wonderful Dr. Julian McKay from the University of Toronto. So thanks so much and have a good night, everyone. Thanks. So much for spending time with us in the band room today. If you want to learn more about anything that we discussed in the episode, check out the links found in the episode description wherever you listened to this podcast. Also, why don't you check out bandroompod.com to learn more about the podcast? If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast and give us a rating and a review. And tell your friends just how much you enjoyed listening. If you really love this show, maybe you should consider donating to our GoFundMe page or buy some sweet, sweet BRP swag, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what is on the go and if you have thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, or even cooler, leave me a voicemail on our hosting website, anchor.fm slash bandroompod slash message, where your voicemail might, just might, be featured in a future episode of BRP. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the bandroom. <laughs> <laughs>